0: Hey guys, it's Scott. I just want to thank you for tuning into the Blue Ridge Church podcast. You know, I hope this is encouraging to you. I hope it's inspiring to you. And I pray most of all, it's going to help you on your faith journey. So enjoy today. Well, good morning and welcome to Blue Ridge Church. Thank you all so much for being here with us today. Um, If it's your first time, especially, we're so glad you're here. Don't worry, we're not going to do anything crazy or make you stand up, introduce yourself. We truly are glad that you're here. Scott's not here this morning think he got beat up in Morgantown last night. It was a rough day for us, right? (laughs) Kidding, kidding, kidding. But we're glad you're here. And uh, we've been in this series over the month and a half uh, called The New Norm. And we've been talking about the battles that we deal with and we go through in our lives. You know, the things that we, you know, the the, the battles we face, the enemies we have, sometimes that's within, sometimes that's external. And so we've been talking about how to go throughout life and deal with those and, and win those battles through different ways God gives us. And so last week, Scott talked about the broken world that we live in. That sin not only broke us as human beings, but it broke the world that we exist in. And and that's why there's so much pain and so much hardship and hurt and and heartbreak in our lives. And so this morning, we're going to pick right up where we left off and talk about that broken world and talk about how we can be victorious and go through this broken world with faith. How can we strengthen our faith to survive those battles, to win those battles and come out to be who God wants us to be, to be close to God, to be pursuing God, regardless of what happens in our lives. And so if you want to take notes this morning, you can go ahead and open up the Church Center app, or if you don't have that, you can scan that QR code and fill this in for learning number one. What's super important about faith. If we want to grow in our faith, our faith must produce action. Okay, like our faith has got to produce action. Action. Now, there's two parts of faith. When you read in the Bible talking about faith, there's usually two different types of faith that the writers talk about. The first is an intellectual type. It's uh, the, the affirmative, right? It's what we believe. So I believe in God. I believe that Jesus died on a cross. I believe that a relationship with Jesus gets me access to the Father, that when I die, I'll be with God forever. I believe the Bible to be true, right? Like that's what I believe. And that's important. We all have something we believe. Some of you here, you're believers, you believe something similar to that. Others of you, you're on the journey still, you're not sure what you believe and that's completely fine, right? We all start somewhere and we end up where, you know, where our our curiosity and sometimes our study and our research and, and our faith leads us. But believing something is important. However, the second part of faith that we read about in the scripture is something that is more about the action, right? It's not what we believe, but it's what we do with what we believe. It's how our lives have changed because of the things that we believe. Here's what the Bible says in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1. It says, Faith is the confidence in what we hope for and assurance about what we do not see. In other words, faith is a hope. right? It's a hope in something that we believe to be true, and we believe it so strongly that it changes the way that we live. And so it's a hope, and not in a way of like, I hope this is real, but like if you're a Christian and you have faith, like the, the kind of hope that the Bible talks about isn't like a fingers crossed when I die, hopefully I'll go to heaven sort of thing. It's, it's an assurance, right? This passage says it's an assurance about what we do not see. Assurance is something you are for sure about. And so it's believing in something. Sure, faith is believing in something, but it doesn't end there. It keeps going and says, I believe something so strongly and so passionately and so certainly that it changes the way that I live my life. That's the intention of faith. It's what we see in the scripture when it talks about what we believe. Now, that doesn't mean we can't doubt and still believe, right? If you're a believer, you've gone through doubt. Maybe that's the season of life here and now. Maybe faith is hard for you. Maybe it's, you know, whether you're, you're, sh- you're not sure you believe what this, this what the Bible says, you're not really sure about the whole God thing. Sometimes life doesn't really line up with what we read in the Bible and, and some of our experiences sometimes don't feel like God is who he says he is, so we go through seasons of doubt. That's completely fine, right? That's normal. Bible characters, big Bible characters had doubt. People who lived alongside of Jesus doubted him, Right? But faith, when it talks about faith, is, is something that's real and something that's tangible. Real, biblical, genuine faith goes beyond just merely intellectual belief, and it becomes who we are, right? How we live our lives, the choices we make in our lives. And here's what it says in James chapter 2, verse 17. He says, faith by itself isn't enough. Unless it produces good deeds, it is dead and useless. I mean, think about how crazy that is. He's saying that faith by itself isn't enough. And he's not saying Jesus isn't enough. He's not saying a relationship with him isn't enough. He's just saying faith, the intellectual type of faith, isn't enough. We can't just believe something. It's got to be a belief that changes who we are. And so when we see the promises of God, when we read what God says in his word is true, it's not just saying, I believe that, It's saying, I believe that so strongly that it's going to influence the way I live my life. It's going to change me. It produces something. Faith always produces something. Later in this passage, it's not on your your notes, but later in this chapter, James says, even the demons believe that God's real. Like even the demons believe that God is real, that God exists, that Jesus is who he says he is. It's not a matter of believing whether it's true or not. It's whether or not it's changed your life. And if it hasn't changed your life, then he says it's dead and useless. One of the examples that we can kind of experiment with this morning is, is if, I, if I came up here and told you that when I was younger in school, I learned how to speak five different languages. Okay, like when I was in school, I learned how to speak, other than English, five different languages. fluently. Now, by a show of hands, how many of you, you say, I don't believe you? come on, like, really, ye of little faith, okay? <laughs> All right, now, uh, how about how many people do believe me? Like, if you say, I, I would believe that you actually learned and can speak five languages. Okay, thank you, the two people who believe me. God will bless you. God is going to give you an extra crown in heaven because you believe me. Now, but if I were to tell you something like that, how would you affirm whether or not that's true? Like, how could you tell if I could actually speak five different languages? You'd have to have me prove it to you, right? You'd have to say, you show me that you can do it and then I'll believe, right? I'd have to demonstrate it and, and do it for you to show you that I, be- I can do what I said I can do. And it's the same thing with faith. I can't just stand up here. It's not enough for me to stand up here and tell you what I believe if my life can't show you what I believe. If I can't prove it to you and show you and test myself to, to really reveal what I believe, it's... It's probably not as real as I think it is. It's probably not as true as I think it is. I I think this is what's important for us as we go throughout lives to be examining and asking this question, which is why Paul says this in 2 Corinthians chapter 13, examine yourself to see if your faith is genuine. He says, test yourself. Surely you know that Jesus Christ is among you. If not, You have failed the test of genuine faith. So he's saying, How can we know if we have real, genuine faith? Test yourself. What does your faith produce? Does it produce something? Is it words? Was it thoughts? Or does that play out in your life and the way you make decisions, the way you live your life, the way you behave, the way you act? So test ourselves. What's our faith producing? I think that's a really helpful question to be asking as we go throughout our lives is, is what is my faith producing? In testing it, right? Even when we're in moments where we feel close to God and moments when we feel far away from God, is what is my faith producing? What is the outcome of me believing what I believe? See, it's so important for us as we talk about strengthening our relationship with God and winning these battles that we face on a regular basis in life, to understand how important faith actually is. And so what we're going to do this morning is talk about ways we can build up our faith. if you're on that journey and you, you do have faith, whether you're at a high or low point in your life, to how do we build up our faith and strengthen it so that when we do face those battles we do face, that we can come out on top, and we can win those. And so one of the first things we can do is we can look within. And that's learning number two. When it comes to faith, faith is impossible without integrity. Like, we've got to look at who we are. We've got to look at who we really are in our lives as we go throughout life. And it's not who other people see us as. It's not who we've convinced other people we are. But, but in moments where we're alone, right? The character piece. Integrity is something of of who we are when nobody's looking, right? What kind of choices we make when no one else can see those choices and see the results of those choices. Who are we? And you know what's interesting about the Bible is we read that God tests us and gives us experiences in life to test our integrity. He tests our character. Here's what it says in Luke chapter 16. If you're faithful in the little things, you'll be faithful in the large ones. But if you're dishonest in little things, you won't be honest with greater responsibilities. It's saying that God gives us responsibilities all throughout our lives. And sometimes those are intended to test our faith, to test who we are, to test our character and our integrity, to see how we handle those. And he says, when you're faithful in the small things, you'll be given more. But if you're unfaithful, if you're dishonest in the small things, then that's why you don't have greater responsibilities. And so important character and integrity is an important thing as we talk about growing and strengthening our faith. So how do we do that? One of the easiest ways we can do that is by admitting when we're wrong. Is to learn how to admit the times when we're wrong, which is really hard to do. No matter what season of life you're in, whether you're young or old, it's hard to admit when you're wrong. When you're young, it's hard because you don't think you're wrong. <laughs> right? But when you get older, you know you're wrong. <laughs> But it doesn't make it any easier because now you've got pride, right? Like, it's, it's hard to admit when you're wrong. I mean, if you're married, it's hard to admit you're wrong to your spouse. Now, luckily, I've not got to deal with that. Like, I'm usually never wrong in our relationship. <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm kidding. But, but it's hard, right? It's hard to come to someone and tell them that you, you're wrong or you said something or you did something that's wrong. Uh, you're, it's hard to admit you're wrong to your parents, right? If you've got kids, It's kind of surprisingly hard to admit you're wrong to your children, right? Isn't it hard to sometimes come to your kids and and let them know that you've... Because you're supposed to be the hero, right? You're supposed to be the perfect person in their lives. And so it's hard. You don't want to show them weakness. You want to show them that. But it's so important for us to do that. And I think as parents, especially of young children, it's one of the most important things you can do is when you do something or say something wrong, not even just to them, but to maybe other people around you that they see, is to let them know that you're wrong and say, sorry, no, I messed up. I shouldn't have done that. I shouldn't have said that. I shouldn't have acted that way. And one of the promises that God makes is is if we live and walk in that integrity, especially as parents, then the blessings will follow. Right, here's what it says in Proverbs chapter 20, verse 7. The righteous man walks in his integrity. You can say the same about women. The righteous woman walks in her integrity. His children are blessed after him. Right? When you walk with character, you walk with integrity. The people who come before you and come behind you are blessed. There's blessings for those people. Why? Because they see how important character and integrity is. They see how important it is in moments to admit when you're wrong or or another way of, of being honest when it's hard to be honest. Another way of improving our character and integrity is by being honest in life, is by telling the truth. Small things, big things, insignificant things, really important things. It's impossible to have integrity when we're constantly lying, isn't it? Because oftentimes what we do is we lie about who we are, maybe what we're going through or what we're dealing with in our lives, and it really doesn't reveal who we are because we're afraid of what others might think of us if we were truly to be honest about what's going on. That's why so many times you see marriages just crumble, it seems like, out of nowhere and and you didn't know anything, maybe someone's a friend of yours or someone who you knew, and, and it just seemed like it was so good, and then all of a sudden it fell apart, right? Because there's a lot of times we can hide what we're really feeling, and then all of a sudden the house just seems like it comes down on top of us. Honesty is a huge part of character and integrity. And if we want to learn how to strengthen our faith, then we need to learn how to be honest to ourselves, but also to the people around us. Here's another thing we can do to strengthen our faith, and it's learning number three. We need to discover what we're good at and use our gifts to serve the people around us. I think one of the most amazing things that happens when you become a believer is that God gives you a gift. Sometimes it's called a spiritual gift. Other times it's a you know, really good ability or talent or something that you're really good at or you're passionate about that comes from God, right? And if you're a believer here this morning, you might not even know what that is, but there's something that God has given to you when he gave you the Holy Spirit, there's something God gave to you that, that he would call and we would call your spiritual gift. And it's, it's to be used to serve the people around you. Here's what it says in 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 10. God has given each one of you a gift from his great variety of spiritual gifts. Use them well to serve one another. See, every single person has a gift. Every single one of us has something we're really good at, something that God has given us to use not just for ourselves, but for the people around us. Some, some people hear you're, you're a good teacher. Like you've been given the gift of teaching. And even though it might not be used in a pastoral role, you might not be a school teacher, although you might be in one of those positions, you're really good at explaining difficult things to people. right? You're really good at explaining how things work. Maybe you're good at explaining what things mean. And so you've been given the gift of teaching. Others of you, you've been given the gift of service. I mean, you are, you are so passionate about helping other people. You know, we just launched groups or signups for groups this past week, and we have so many different groups of service, of people who want to help other people, whether that's disaster relief, whether that's helping kids pack backpacks uh, full of food so they don't go hungry throughout the week. We've got people who help provide presents for kids for Christmas time coming up here in a couple months that will never have something under their tree. Like, there's people who just want to help We've got groups that are just there that that if there's a need in the church, these people want to help. And so some of you have been using your gift to serve the people around you. Others of you, you've got a gift of encouragement. You just know exactly what to say, when to say it. You know how to encourage someone. You, you love pouring your life into other people and, and helping them along in life. Maybe it's, you're a little older and you love finding people who are younger to help them in the journey that you once walked in. Maybe that's something you went through, whether that's a good thing or a bad thing, a hard thing, and you want, to, you want them to walk alongside you and kind of mentor them as you show them how to live the way that you know, God wants us to live. Others of you, have been given the gift of giving, and sometimes that's not just financially, that's with our time too, right? But you've been given a lot of resources by God, and, and you use that to serve the people around you. You know, sometimes there's, there's people who've got a lot of money, but they don't have a lot of time, right? So they give a lot of money to the church or church organizations because they want to see God's purposes accomplished in their local communities. And even though they don't have enough time to, to really offer themselves up, they have the resources to do so. Other people, they don't have a lot of money, but they've got a lot of time. And so what they do is they volunteer for everything. They want to serve. They want to show up. They want to be a helping hand. They want to be a body to help accomplish those same exact purposes. And I know what some of you are thinking, what if you don't have enough money and you don't have enough time? What are you supposed to do? I promise there's a place for everyone, right? (laughs) Like, like Like we have resources that God has given to each one of us that we can use, not just for ourselves, but to serve the people around us. We all have a gift. You have something that you're good at. Even though you haven't discovered that yet, some of you, there's something that God has given to you to serve the people around you. Peter says this, to use well to serve those around you. So a good question to ask all the time is, what am I doing with what God has given to me? What am I doing with what God has given to me? Because it's like faith. We can't just affirm what that is. We've got to put it to use. It's got to produce something, right? Right? So you might be good at something, you have a gift at something or a special ability. What are you doing with it? How is that changing who you are? How is that impacting your life and the life of the people around you? And so we've got to do that. We, want, we need to learn what we're good at and, and use that to serve one another if we want to strengthen our faith. Here's another one. It's by being persistent. Learning number four. Giving up crushes our faith. Something really important for us to understand when we give up, in life, it crushes, absolutely crushes our faith. You know, what we've kind of realized, and what I've realized a lot of times, is when we struggle with giving up, it's typically a faith issue. It's typically we give up, and maybe it's because we believe a lie, right? A lot of us, we believe lies that, that when things get hard, if I just quit or just give it up, then that pain or that hardship will go away, right? But we know that's not true. We know that's not how it necessarily works out. Like, we have a lot of students here. You know, school is hard, isn't it? Like, school is really, really hard. It's difficult, especially if you have a major that is not just four years, but it's six, eight years. Like, you've got to do a lot of studying, pass a lot of tests, show up for a lot of labs. Like, it's hard to go to school. It's hard to accomplish that goal, right? But you know what else is really hard? Not having any direction in your life. You know what's hard? Is, it, is if we quit, it's hard to get a, deg- get a job without a degree with the, with the world we live in today, so we've got to pick our heart. We've got to choose our heart. Relationships are hard. They are really no matter what type of relationship it is, a marriage, dating relationship, friendship, it's hard. Making a relationship work takes time, takes effort, takes strength, takes patience. And a lot of times it's easier just to give up. But you know what else is really hard? Being alone. You know what else is really hard? Going through a divorce or splitting up. So we've got to choose our hard. How about dieting? Right, anyone ever started diet and then like two days later you quit? <laughs> right, just me, okay. <laughs> right, isn't that hard? Like dieting is hard. Like sticking to calories or, or whatever that, maybe it's a certain type of food that you can only eat whatever that is. That is a really hard feat to accomplish. But you know what else is hard? looking in the mirror and hating the person you see. Being unhealthy is really hard as well. And so we've got to pick what's hard, right? See, the lie is, is that if we go through something and it's difficult, if we just give up, that difficulty will go away. But what most of us realize through experience is that it will it be harder to give up. Like the pain of giving up hurts more than the pain of, of keeping going. Right, that we would have been better off, maybe that's looking back a week or a month or a year and saying, I wish I would have just kept going because it's worse now than it would have been if I would have just kept going in whatever that was in our lives. It's a lie that we believe that if you just give up and you stop, that pain, that hurt, that, that difficulty will go away. But that's just not true. Faith requires perseverance. And giving up in life crushes our faith. That's why we see so many times in the Bible, these people, like we've got the Apostle Paul read about, who they did things and acted certain ways through pain, through difficulty, through trials, in order to do what God called them to do, even in the midst of times that hurt the most. Here's what 2 Corinthians chapter 4 says in verse 16. It says, that's why we never give up. Right, in the context of this, as Paul is trying to get the message of God to this church, and it's been really difficult. Like He's been shipwrecked. he's been beaten up. He's been left for dead. Uh, it's just been a really tough go at it in this experience, but it's worth it because the outcome is better than the pain he's going through. He says, this is why we never give up. Though our bodies are dying, our spirits are being renewed every day. For our present troubles are small and won't last very long. Yet they produce for us a glory that vastly outweighs them and will last forever. Paul's saying here is we do this, we go through these hardships, we go through these times in our lives when it's harder to do than not do because it's worth it, because there's something that's waiting for us on the other side of whatever that difficulty is that God wants to give us or that God wants to accomplish, He says this in Galatians chapter six, verse nine, so let's not get tired of doing what's good because at just the right time, we will reap a harvest of blessing if we don't give up, right? He's saying, if you just keep going, if you refuse to give up, if you just keep going, then you will reap a harvest that God has for you. I wonder how many of us give up right before we're going to be reaping that harvest, I mean, you ever wonder that in times where life is hard? If, if you look back at your, maybe some mistakes you've made, I know I do this in my own life, is, is wonder what it would have been like if I would have just, been, just kept going and doing something. You know, what would my life be like? What would that certain situation turn out to be if I would have just kept going? And maybe that was just, I just had to keep going another day or two or week or two or, or keep doing whatever that was. We've got to realize how important it is to be persistent in our faith because that produces something. It produces a harvest. It produces something in our faith that strengthens us and gives us the ability to keep going forward. So here's what happens. We, we work on our character. Right? We work on our integrity. We, we do try to do what's right and make the right decision, even when no, one, no one's looking, even when it's not easy, even when it's not comfortable for us, but we do the right thing because that's who God wants us to be. And then we live our lives in a way where we figure out what we're good at. We find out what that spiritual gift is. We figure out a way how to serve the people around us and do that because that's what God's called us to. And then we make a commitment in our lives to not give up, no matter what difficulty lays ahead, no matter what happens, to not give up, especially with our faith. And here's what that produces, an unstoppable faith, an unbreakable faith. This is learning number five. Real faith reveals that God is the master of the impossible. God is the master of the impossible. This past week, um, you know, I've tried to share this a little bit up here before, but uh, I try to do my best to get up as early as I can so I can get some alone time, right? Especially throughout the week, and so I'll set my alarm for around six o'clock because we've got three kids: there's an eight-month-old, a three-year-old, and a five-year-old, all boys, and so it's crazy. It's just a, it's a psycho place. And so if you can't get any time by yourself, it's game over, right? There's no time. When they go to sleep, like, you're just ready to pass out. Like, there's no quiet time you get. And so I've tried to make it a point to wake up early, and sometimes that's spend time with God, sometimes in the Bible, sometimes, you know, I just grab a cup of coffee and stare at a blank wall. I mean, whatever I can do, just kind of decompress and get ready for the day, right? And so I'll set my alarm, and I don't do, like, an audible alarm. It's actually on my watch. And so it vibrates for me to wake up. And the reason I do that is because sometimes my two oldest will make their way from their beds into our bed. And if I have an audible alarm, they hear it, and they wake up thinking, oh, it's time to go. It's time to go downstairs, and we get to do whatever we want to do. It's, it's time to start our day. And so I have it on my watch. And so this past Wednesday, my alarm goes off at 6 o'clock. I feel it. I turn it off. And, uh, and I could feel at some point in the night, like I'm looking over here like this, and I'm away from the bed, the middle of the bed, and I can feel that one of my kids has made their way into our bedroom. And so the alarm goes off, and I'm like, stealthily quiet. Like, let me figure out who it is, because it's going to change the way I get out of bed, because they're both there, right? So, so I peel the covers away, and I look over, and, and there's my five-year-old, Wyatt, eyes wide open, huge smile on his face, and he's like, hi, Daddy. <laughs> and so I love my kids. I mean, obviously, I love them. Um, and so I'm like, Hi, Wyatt. But internally, I'm like, no, like, come on. Like, this is my, like, 15 minutes by myself. Like, why, why, God, why, God? And so like, all right, come out of bed. Let's not wake anybody else up. And so I tell, I make a deal. I'm like, all right, if you come downstairs with me, you've got to read your Bible too, right? I'm going to read my Bible, but you've got to read your Bible too. And if you don't, it's okay, but you have to go back to bed because this is going to be our little quiet time. And he's like, okay, okay. And so he runs to his room and he gets his Bible and his, he's got one of those little kid Bibles that has a lot of pictures. And you know the, the word, there's still words on it, but it's a lot of the stories that are condensed so that kids can understand them. And so he brings his Bible downstairs. It's cute. And so we're sitting on the chair together and he's only five. He just turned five last month. So he can't read. And so what turned, what ended up being his time and my time turned into me reading all the stories that he wanted to read. And so he loves like Goliath. He loves any story with like, like warriors and swords and battles and boats and fishing. Like he's like a typical little boy. And so it's like 20 minutes goes by and I'm like, all right, buddy, I've got to do a little bit of my time. And, and so he just keeps asking, what does this say? How, can you read this to me? Can you read that to me? So I figure this, I'm just going to kill two birds with one stone and I'm going to make you read what I'm preaching on this Sunday. And so I was like, let's find the passages on faith and see what they say. And so we find the passage that Jesus is talking about, faith to his followers. And at the end of him teaching, his disciples ask him this question, and they say, how can we increase our faith? How can we work on our faith? What can we do to make our faith stronger? And Jesus replies to them saying something like this. He says, if you have the faith, even is small as a mustard seed, then you could have the ability to look at the mountains and tell them to move, and they'll move. Then nothing is impossible with God, right? And so we read that, and I'm like, that's pretty good, right, bud? And he looks at it, and he's like, what? Like, that's not true. Like, moving mountains? Like, you can't do that. Like, that's silly. Like, you can't, that's not true, And so there was, like, an internal battle for me because I'm like, ah, like, I don't want to, like, tell him, yes, it is, and and you can do that, and then have him go test and challenge God, and then him not be able to move the mountains outside, and then get disappointed and, you know, grow up to be someone who doesn't believe or something. And so I'm like, what do I say to him? Because I also don't want him to, like, go through life and not understanding how important faith can be. And so I was like, here's what I think Jesus means, and here's honestly what I think he means in that passage. Is that Jesus is explaining to these people, his followers, that faith is the most powerful force in the entire world. That faith is the most incredible, powerful, meaningful force in the entire world. And Jesus is painting this vivid picture to his disciples, to the people listening, and to us even 2,000 years later, that even the things in life that seem impossible, even the things that feel impossible, like there's no way for us to possibly get beyond those things, are possible when we approach it with real and genuine faith. Faith is huge. God is the master of the impossible. You might not be able to go outside and move the Blue Ridge Mountains from one place to the other, but there's certain things that you have the ability to do through genuine and real faith that would have been impossible to do without it. You see, I think there's so many times we go through our own lives and we think we're up against something that's just impossible. Maybe that's a, a sickness or maybe that's a situation or maybe that's a broken relationship or that's something you're dealing with where... It doesn't seem like there's any possible way out. But the Bible teaches us that through faith, and the stories we read time and time again, through faith, nothing is impossible with God. You know, as we go through these battles and we deal with the pressures of the new norms in our lives, sometimes it's the voices that want us to believe certain things and and think certain ways, and a lot of times those aren't the ways that God has for us it's important for us to realize how impactful our faith can be. And not just in the way of believing something, but in a way of letting that something we believe change who we are each and every day. The way we make our decisions, the way we live our lives, the way we behave, the way we hope, the way we go throughout our lives. Another place in the Bible, and this is on your sheet, but it's a lot of order, but it's this passage in 2 Chronicles, Where, probably one of the most incredible passages in all throughout the Bible, and super impactful for me when I first became a Christian, God says that He's looking throughout the world, throughout the earth, to find people who have this type of faith. It says this in verse 9 The eyes of the Lord search the whole earth in order to strengthen those whose hearts are fully committed to Him. Like, God's up there, like, where are you? Where are you guys? Like, who are they? He's not looking for pastors. He's not looking for Bible teachers and people who are just really good at what they do. He says he's looking for what? People whose hearts are fully committed to him. People who's, who've got faith that goes beyond just intellectual belief. People who live in such a way that what they believe determines how they live. And the promise he has for them, let's just show that one more time. The promise that he has for them in that faith is to what? is to strengthen them, is to give them strength, to strengthen their faith, to strengthen them in hardships and difficulties in their lives. And so this morning, as we ask those questions, as we process that in our faith, we've got to figure out what are we doing with what God's given to us? What types of people are we going to be in this world? And what type of faith are we going to live with? Let's pray. Father, we we know that faith is hard. God, we know that as we go throughout life, it's harder and harder to believe the things that maybe we've believed our whole lives. Maybe it's a certain type of doubt we struggle with. I know there's so many of us, myself included, who go through seasons where we question what we believe and question what we've believed for years and years and years. But God, we ask you right now to give us strength. Lord, to give us the willingness to want more and more of who you are. To find answers for the questions we have. And to find comfort and peace in the answers that we can't find. Lord, for those of us here who, you know, who are believers who'd say, you know, you do trust in God. God, give us a level of, of confidence. And give us the hope that you talk about when you talk about faith. Not that we hope you're real and hope you exist, but a hope that's so certain of what we believe that it changes who we are each and every day. Even up against what seems impossible. Even when it's not comfortable. Even when it's hard and difficult and we want to give up. Give us the strength that you promise us. We love you and we praise you. It's in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, hey, thank you so much for being here with us today. I kind of alluded it to in the talk, but last week we started our signups for our groups this semester, and groups are just a way for you to meet other people. They're a way for you to, to grow in your faith, right? If you want to strengthen your faith, there's groups we have of Bible studies, there's groups we have of, of places where you can meet people who are in the same life uh, situation in life as you are, and you can walk alongside with them as you go throughout life. And so I want to encourage you to check that out. On our website, we've got that on the planning or the church center app if you've got that on your phone. If not, you can go to the website and see all of those different types of groups. Um, one of the groups that we've had over this past year was the Bible in a Year group. And it's when one, of the, one of our most popular groups where people are reading the Bible together. And, uh, and sometimes that can be daunting, right? January 1st, it's like, I don't really want to commit to, you know, 12 months of reading every single day. And so we've done something really cool for the remainder of this year that's sort of like the Bible in the year group that I want you to check out on this video. And so we've got this video for you. After the video, you can be dismissed, uh, but I, I hope you have a great rest of your week and you really consider joining one of our groups. Take a look at the screens here. Hey guys, my name is Kristen. I work here at the church and I wanted to take a second and tell you about our Bible in a year group that has been happening this year in 2021. So last year in 2020, rough year, I was talking to a friend, she was giving me some encouragement and she was telling me all about a group that had been happening at her church in another state. They read the Bible in a year. So that for me was a nudge to maybe offer the same thing here. And so we did. So you are going to hear from several different people about their experience reading the Bible through this year. Hi, my name is Rachel Potter, and I want to tell you about the Bible in the Year and what we've been doing so far. I've really enjoyed the program as we started in January, and I get to spend time with God every morning. I've really enjoyed the fact that I get to understand the verses that I've highlighted and heard at church. I've also enjoyed the Facebook group where we can chat about what we understand that week and what we're going through. I've also really enjoyed the podcast that I get to listen to every day and download onto my phone. I really hope that you'll join us in October for the New Testament. Hi there, my name's Devin Ketchum. I've been reading the Bible in a Year app for a couple of months now. I have to say it's evolved my relationship with God. Um, As I've read, it's like learning about something new with a friend you've known forever in your life. Um, So I just ask that you join us and see where your relationship goes. Hi, I'm Erin Kinder. I started reading my Bible on January 1st after joining this growth group on a whim. Um, In nine months, the Bible recap means more to me than I could possibly describe, but I'll try. It means nine months of a closer relationship with God, nine months of learning more about who He is and who He wants me to be nine months of finally being content in my life knowing that His timing is absolutely perfect, nine months of having meaningful conversations with other Christ followers who are learning more about Him too, and nine months of waking up so excited every morning to learn more about Him. I'm even more excited about October though because that means we'll be in the New Testament and that means Jesus is coming. And in case you haven't heard yet, He's where the joy is. Hi, my name is James, and on Sundays I've been primarily working with the middle schoolers here. And in reading Bible in the Year over the last year, I've really helped to gain a level of confidence knowing that what we're talking about on Sundays with the middle schoolers is what we're reading in the Bible every day. And so coming up on October 1st, we're starting a new journey in this. We're starting the New Testament. And I want to take a time to invite all of you to join us. Uh, And what you can do is open up your Church Center app, click the Bible in the Year link, and it'll send you to a form that you can fill out to get you linked up with the schoolers. Thanks.